Welcome to Movie Oubliette, the film review podcast for movies that most people have mercifully forgotten. I'm Dan. And I'm Conrad. And in each episode, we drag a forsaken film out of the Oubliette, discuss it and judge it to decide whether it should be set free, <laughs> or whether it should be thrown back and consigned to oblivion forever. <laughs> Happy New Year and welcome to episode 142 of Movie Oubliette, the intercontinental podcast for forgotten fantastical films with me, Conrad, several pounds heavier in Cambridge, UK. Mm, yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, and I am Dan, uh, now an Australian citizen down here in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Ooh, we focus on forgotten fantasy, sci-fi and horror films because we love post-apocalyptic post Shakespeare quote battles and turning equine animals into gruel. Hello, Dan. Oh, right. <laughs> I thought you were vegan, Conrad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds all kinds of wrong. Mm, and mm. especially now because, yeah, I ate way too much over Christmas. Yeah. And I'm not happy with how much I wobble every time I step mm, or laugh yeah. or move. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because uh, obviously, the the Christmas period is, is you have you're always having all these gatherings with family, and so you're eating lots mm. of food, and then people give you gifts like gift baskets and and hampers, and then you have to get through all that, and you can't waste food. You know, that's that's the ultimate crime. Um, mm. And it, you know, you're on holiday, so it, it's. You just kind of have to give in to it and just sort of <laughs> deal with the repercussions later. <laughs> yeah, you do. And there's so much grazing that goes on as oh, well, I find. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. constant grazing and mm -hmm. watching movies. So, yeah. And, you know, you get past a certain age, the metabolism is not as quick as it was. Yeah. Getting rid of it is not as easy. No. So I think I'll be paying for this until March. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me too, me too. It's good fun, though. And you have something to celebrate as well. Yes, so now I am a, a an Australian citizen. So those of you that don't know, I am not actually Australian uh, by nationality. I'm, I'm, I'm a New Zealander. I just have lived in Australia for a long time now. Um, but yes, mm. now I am a dual citizen and I can, uh, I can vote now, which is Yay. nice. <laughs> is there an election coming? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's oh. not for another two years, maybe. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. When it comes, you'll yeah. be able to join in. I can do that. I can do that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So have you been in Australia longer than you were in New Zealand now? No, or? not quite. Not no. quite. I think I've been in Australia mm. maybe 15 years. It's a, oh, okay. a good amount of time. Um, but yeah, not, that's a big chunk. Yeah, not not as much as New Zealand. Not yet. No. Yeah. No. Interesting. So, uh, during the holiday period, did we get any mailbag from our listeners? We did, yes. And we have some new patrons. So, uh, we were joined by film aficionado Andrew C. Ooh. and iconographer. Welcome, everyone. Great to have you supporting the show. Yes, we welcome. appreciate it. Welcome to the community. Yeah. And iconographer 
actually wrote to us to say, Hi, Dan and Conrad. I know you won't see this until the new year, but I just wanted to say thank you for making such a fun show. I look forward to it every other week. You make the long hours at work or in the car just melt away. I've Ah. been meaning to become a patron for a long, long time and finally just told my wife that the only thing I wanted for Christmas this year (laughs) was to support you on Patreon. How amazing is that? That is so sweet. (laughs) Thank you. It really is. So, yeah, thank you, Iconographer. It's great to have you aboard this year, and I Mm. hope you enjoy it. I hope we don't let you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) So, Dan, what will we be kicking off the new year with? Oh, well, I will just retrieve it now. Mm. Okay, uh, I'm on a swing bridge over a roaring river. Oh, that's uh, airy. Yeah, but bit wobbly. I think the movie's in the middle. Here, hang on. Here it is. Oh, is that a lion? Oh no. Quick, come back. <laughs> okay. Oh. Hey, I heard you, man. You're famous. Okay, I am Ooh. back. Wow. On solid ground. <laughs> Thank goodness. So what did you bring back with you? So today we are going to be discussing the 1997 sci-fi drama film The Postman. Uh, it's mm. directed and starring Kevin Costner, uh, based on a book by David Brin. Uh, also co-starring um, Will Patton, Olivia Williams, Lawrence Tate, Joe Santos, Annie Costner, uh, Tom Petty, and Giovanni <laughs> Ribisi. Wow, that's an eclectic cast. It is, it is. So uh, what happens in this movie? Okay, so I'm going to attempt to sort of abridge this because it is a lot of movie to get through. Uh, The Postman, (laughs) set in the distant war-ravaged future of 2013 in America, we follow a wandering loner, Kevin Costner. He earns his keep by performing Shakespeare to the isolated surviving population and avoiding the merciless militia group, the Wholeness's. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Led by the ruthless General Bethlehem. But poor Kevin Costner is captured and involuntarily recruited into the army, enduring the harsh training and initiation process. Of course, our hero does escape, and whilst sheltering from a storm in an abandoned vehicle of yore, he dons a postal service uniform for warmth. Thus, he becomes the postman. Unintentionally resurrecting the ancient service of the mailing system and postmen, <laughs> restoring hope to the remaining townspeople he encounters. But Bethlehem wants none of this old fashioned patriotism and literary communication, and so endeavors to hunt down every postal worker and kill the postman himself. Harsh. Will the newly formed postal army prevail, ending in slow motion wrestling in the dirt? Well, I guess we'll find out after the break. Yes, and we'll be joined by two special guests who are uniquely qualified to take us through another post-apocalypse with Kevin Costner. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) 
Our special guests today hail from the aptly named YouTube channel Film Joy, a place where even the most jaded media consumer can go to rediscover their childlike wonder at the magic of the movies, even for films like Battleship, Street Fighter, and most recently, Brotherhood of the Wolf. They find something to love in everything, and that's why we love them. It's Zoe Wells and Mikey Newman. Hooray! Hello. It's so great to see you again. How are you both doing? Great. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mikey. We haven't done this in so long. (laughs) Yeah, we're all in very... Well, you're still in Portland. I am now a Californian. Yes. And how is that? Amazing. I have gotten so much more opportunity here just so far. So I love it here. And the weather is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So that works out for everybody. Well, speaking of weather, we had a bit of an apocalypse on our first attempt to record this podcast, Uh, Zoe. Yeah. It wouldn't be film joy if there wasn't at least an apocalypse. Right. At <laughs> least one, maybe three. Uh, yeah. So Portland has experienced its coldest day in like 40 years. It was oh. 11 degrees, I think, but they were saying it felt like below zero. And uh, we literally heard a transformer explode. Nasty. Wow. Was it Optimus Prime? Uh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> And then our power went out 10 minutes later. Oh. We lost power for like 30 hours. And oh, we had my to gosh. Get everybody to a hotel. And it was um, not the relaxing weekend we were hoping for. Well, luckily, <laughs> we gave you this amazing film to watch that oh, everyone gosh. is always talking about how much yeah. they are. Is this the part of the podcast where they play me on the last podcast being like, that movie holds up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, yes. Well, we first met uh, sharing our love for the Kevin Costner uh, Mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic epic Mm. Waterworld. And at that time, we threatened each other that we would (laughs) reunite to watch his second attempt. Mm Mm-hmm. At the Acosnalypse? I don't, that sounds all wrong. It does. Yeah, so this is 1997's The Postman, all three plus hours of it. Oh. I'd n- never seen this before. Had you, Dan? I had seen it before. Um, I must have fallen asleep in it uh, because I don't really remember <laughs> much of it at all. Yeah. I do remember uh, Tom Petty eventually cameoing uh, like as himself, <laughs> as, as himself, himself yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good uh, two and a half hours into the film before he even arrives, and kind of a pointless scene. Mm-hmm. It is too little, too late, but it is also incredible just how little of a poop Tom Petty get. Like even in the apocalypse, even though everyone is dying <laughs> and armies are invading everyone else, he's like, "Hey, man, it's a pleasure to be here." You know, like yeah. yeah. Ah, oh, gosh, water is pretty cool, huh? <laughs> anyway, before that, I guess, uh, there's movie without Tom Petty. Much of it. Yeah, most of it. Yeah. And had you seen it before, Zoe? No, 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 no. Okay. No, I, I did not even know what it was about. Mm. Uh, I just knew that Kevin Costner was in it. I didn't even realize it was an, an apocalyptic film until I'm, like, reading the Amazon Prime, like description and i'm like oh okay so we should be in for about the same bag as we were before and i was wrong (laughs) i think what broke my brain because i i tweeted last night like oh i just watched the post postman forgive me uh reasonable (laughs) it was pointed out to me on twitter this person's read of the film was was this the movie 
where the white supremacists start <laughs> tried to like stop the post office yep. from existing, and I was like, <laughs> "Yes, weirdly yeah. prescient." <laughs> yeah, wildly yeah. prescient. So it was a stra- it's a strange movie. It is a very different apocalypse than Waterworld. Yeah, I mean, I do have I do have questions about the the apocalypse. So it's it's like a post war apocalypse. That's that's mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. I guess the whole world went into war and just everyone got decimated. But I think wasn't there also a plague? Didn't a lot of people die because of a ah, plague? That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not been going great for them. I mean, cosmetically, I did notice that it was quite similar to Waterworld, and I'm sure we'll touch on a number of these events. But Kevin Costner is basically a man with no name again. He's a loner with a sweet ride who shows up to a trading outpost, uh, falls play to a roaming band of marauders, this time led by Will Patton rather than Dennis Hopper. Mm -hmm. And he also goes to a small community that wants to breed with him but at least this time he doesn't have webbed feet. Yeah. So it, it's all good. And then there's a lot of saggy middle. And then all of a sudden there's a finale, uh, except not. But so it's more interesting, I think, to contrast the differences between the two of these. And and there are many. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, one, one where, thing where I found. Where to start? Yeah. One thing I found was I don't know why everyone's in rags. There's no, like, zombies or, like, virus. They're not stuck on water. Like, surely they can make some clothes that don't look like they're hobos. You can kind of ask that about everything, though. Like, why are they back at horses and no roads? Yeah. And the post office car is, like, in the middle of a forest? It's just... This apocalypse really sent things off the rails yeah. uh, in ways that we could <laughs> like, not predict. Why, why, are the, why are there no just abandoned cities or anything? Like, uh, it's only, yeah, it's they're only, all encampments. It's only like 15 years, right? Well, did, did the whole world just like overgrow over these cities in 15 years? Radiation <laughs> is my guess. Uh, like, because if all the big cities got hit by really big bombs, they couldn't go back there. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. And, Like, so my read on this film was actually like, oh, is this secretly brilliant? And then slowly the layers are peeled back. And no, (laughs) but it like it is inherently a Western about the literal Pony Express. Yeah, I mean, it's a Civil War movie. Yeah, it's not subtle with its symbolism. No, especially at the end. I mean, especially through all of it. But no, at the end, I was just like. Did you trick me into watching a Civil War movie? What happened here? Mm. Yeah, there is kind of a final... Well, it promises a final battle between the blue and the greyish, greenish, brownish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's essentially exactly the same. But they sort of line up, do their Braveheart speeches. Yep. And then... Have a wrestle. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to ruin the ending, but I do, I do think it's lovely that Kevin Costner has this oh. great quote about... Um, wouldn't it be great if wars were fought by the assholes that started them? Mm. And 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 then he rolls about on the floor with Will Patton for about five minutes, and you think, 
Uh, you've answered your own question. No. Crossfading. Uh, yeah. Crossfading it's and in slow motion. So yeah. yeah, it's yeah. rough. And you quit Yellowstone? Like, are, I'm sorry, are you going back to doing this? Yeah. All right, Kevin. Well, he's doing a huge Western epic this year, I think, in two parts. That's what everyone's... Like, make movies again, please. We've already removed part one from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Like, I'm so tired of the shipping two movies thing. I'm sorry, that was a random rant. No, I, I get where you're coming from, but I also would, Sam was telling you guys earlier, we had to split this up into three separate sittings because it's a three-hour film. Mm. And like, I'm three sorry. Three films, in fact. Yeah, pretty much. And it's just like, I get the two hours after my daughter goes to bed. I don't... I. Mm, I don't want to spend it with Kevin Costner all the time, guys. I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah. Bill, his mule Ugh. was so good that I thought I was going to lose my partner. So Bill is the best character Absolutely. Uh, in the film. Yeah. And is killed like less than a third of the way through the movie. And my partner, Tara, was like, I'm not watching this. She's like, I'm done. Yeah, they kill Bill. I know. Mm. I was so upset. And then they make a stew out of Bill, and then he doesn't even eat it. I I mean, it looks a little bit like inedible cement, though. Like, I don't know what they did to to that meat meat to make it look. Uh, Yeah, something British, I think. But this is such a anti-equine movie because not only do they kill Bill but later on they have a trusty horse in the cabin and Abby the female protagonist in this movie she just offs that horse and serves it up as gruel without batting an eyelid it's Mm. yeah it's harsh yeah this movie does not like horses and yet It employed so many of them. Yeah, it's weird to like think and talk about this now because like in the in the realm of how idealistic this film is, like, rah, we're America, we're the post office, we're about doing right. (laughs) Also, eating horses is like dope. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's it's just it's so many like I'm sorry, are you the good one? The horse eater? Okay. Yeah, but they do have plenty of horses and no other farming animals. That is um, true. Apart from an occasional lion. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so going back to the beginning of this film, there's just a lion, guys. There's just a lion sort of in the Pacific Northwest, (laughs) and it does just commit murder, which I love. That, a huge fan of lion murder. The the lion is MVP. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, after Bill, of course. But I love the explanation, though, of it's like, oh, there was just a zoo around. And I'm like, where was it? Go live in the zoo. I don't know. They have like enclosures, at least. <laughs> you actually just pitched a thousand times better film. Yeah. Kevin Costner surviving the apocalypse in a zoo. So it's not a sequel to Matt Damon's movie, We Bought a Zoo. We're trying to survive in a zoo. <laughs> We've already established that Bill is the best character, but let's focus on our not only our lead actor, but also our director, Kevin yep. Costner. Yes. Mm. So it's not the Kevins this time around. He's dispensed with other Kevin. Sorry, Kevin Reynolds. Yeah, bye. 
So how do we feel about this, the likability of Kevin's central character? Because I remember this was a bit of an issue on Waterworld. It was, uh, yeah, not the most easily likable character. I liked him better mm. because he is clearly just trying to survive this whole situation. And he wanted to be by himself. And that's not what happened. And he kind of makes the best of that situation. I took his character as this like horrible, abusive liar jerk that wills himself into having principles accidentally. He's like, I'm the post office, because that'll get me stuff. Yeah. Free food. And then he's like, oh, this is like, I do, you guys want this. <laughs> well, I guess that's me. Now. And like, the second most important character in this film, Ford Lincoln Mercury. Oh my God, uh. the best boy. <laughs> the best boy. If you were only a mule, you would you would be number one. <laughs> a mule who could act unlike kevin costner yeah well no my notes literally say i love ford mercury lincoln he is best boy he is definitely best boy it sort of killed me that like kevin costner in this movie whatever his the post boy loves shakespeare does it everywhere tries like loves entertaining kids and i was like well this is kind of endearing and then when they need kevin costner to perform shakespeare at like the emotional center of this movie he's just like to be or not to be i guess that is the question whether it is nobler to some it sounded like harrison ford in the blade runner vo where he's like purposely trying to destroy yeah whatever it is it wasn't the most sterling performance in his shakespeare rap battle no, no. yeah i that was i mean later on i have that the shakespeare stuff is pretty self-indulgent but it's not self-indulgent in like a fun way, right? Because he was known as a Shakespearean actor. And like Mikey said, he will just go and be like, I don't know, like my kingdom for a horse. And it's like, yeah. well, first of all, there are 11,000 horses in this movie. <laughs> Secondly, what are you doing? Hmm. I mean, my favorite part of the, sh the Shakespeare performance was the fight scene with the mule. The, the sword fighting. Yes. I mean, yes. stand out. <laughs> Bill, best boy. Like, Bill is the best, best character boy. in the film, taking, stealing every scene Bill is in. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I found odd about his character is that, uh, unlike his character in Waterworld, where he's fairly taciturn throughout, in this one, it feels like he's sort of Forrest Gumping his way through this situation i think he's supposed to be kind of goofy a man and his mule and a little bit simple and accidentally sort of starts a religion about a basic infrastructure service <laughs> and i note with interest that originally this was set up as a robert zemeckis eric roth production wow when the rights were bought off of the author david brin because this is based on a novel right. um so it was going to be tom hanks Robert Zemeckis and Eric Roth, but apparently wow. Roth's screenplay turned the central character into a incoherent, rapacious asshole. <laughs> so Hanks obviously wasn't keen. So that whole thing collapsed and then it was picked up by Kevin, who hired Brian Helgeland, hot off LA Confidential, who returned to the book and tried to instill it with the sense of hope and earnest decency and heroism. Um, but I think there's some of the arseholes still left in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th there are a few moments in the movie where you really sort of question, is, is this a nice 
guy. Like the yeah. sort of the forcefulness he has towards Abby, and and also the fact that he was the director of the film, um, Kevin Costner. So there are some questions like, did you have to cast? A female lead 13 years younger than you. Yeah. Did you have to have that romantic, like, love scene go as long? Yeah, I mean, I think the movie itself, so we saw that it was three hours long, and Sam was like, there has to be an edit somewhere, right? There has to be a shorter movie in here that's more watchable. And there is, in fact, a fan <laughs> edit called the Expedited ed- uh, Edit. <laughs> that's funny. And, like, first of all, Tremendous. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there are just so many parts of this movie that I'm like, we got it about five minutes ago Mm. and we are still in this Jeep while you talk to a skeleton and, you know, just (laughs) going through all of these motions. It was, you know, he got a lot of screen time, which as a director slash star, I guess... That's your right. Yes, but h- how did you feel about the central romance? Because I remember on Waterworld with Helen, she was basically a, a sexy lamp and you weren't <laughs> terribly impressed, Zoe. Uh, how did you feel about Abby and, and her her slow coming to terms with the, the death of her husband after she's completely, <laughs> completely cuckolded him yes. at the town dance? Yeah, break that one down, Zoe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sure. First, just to like excise this from my brain, the actor who plays Michael was on the show Nashville, which is like a soap yes. opera sort of thing. And so the whole time I was just like, Deacon, what are you doing? <laughs> Anyways, yeah. um, I invested too much of my life into that show. Uh, so I actually was not bothered when Michael was still in the picture. Obviously, as somebody who has who who worked a bit to get pregnant and have a kid. Like it is not an easy feat. Um, And if that's what they really wanted, I don't think they could go get like IVF easily. So she found someone with the good sperm Mm -hmm. uh, and not the bad mumps. And so her (laughs) husband did seem genuinely excited about being a dad, all of this stuff. So while it was truly awkward and bizarre to have to witness <laughs> so much of that interaction. See, well lit. Yeah. <laughs> like, turn yeah. a light out. <laughs> I have the smallest request. Mm-hmm. If we do this podcast again, there's not a scene where Kevin Costner is just offered a woman. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hello. <laughs> I'm here. Like, I don't want to see that scene again. Because yeah. Waterworld and the Postman both have that exact. Yeah. Your presence yes. has arrived. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> I I have to agree with Mikey because, again. Take them to dinner. Jeez. Yeah. Just, or, like, learn their name. I yeah, don't know. Also a good bar. Yeah. Also a very yeah. low. And just anything. It's the after Michael dies and also the way that Michael dies, where he has to give permission to the villain to sleep with his wife. Mm. And it's like, no. Straight out of Braveheart, yeah. Yeah, and that was super icky. What I'm saying is Michael deserved way better. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, I think overall, Abby is a more interesting character than the heroine in Waterworld. Um, but she is 
also a plot device. And by she, I mean she is carrying the plot device. Like, she is pregnant, and that is what makes her important. And that felt not great. No. I did wonder how you might feel about the fact that although she does have agency in the film, she is a great shot. She can batter a guy to death with a rock yeah. quite well. Smash his face in. Oh, yeah. But the thing that I was particularly intrigued by was, uh, Zoe, how you would feel about the scene where Kevin Costner says to Abby, the child in you is mine, mm-hmm. and so you're not going to do what you just said you wanted to do. You're going to do this. And she has no response and just does it. So her autonomy vanishes as soon as she is pregnant. And I was just wondering if Sam ever said something similar to you. I hope not. That's an experience <laughs> oh you can relate to. Uh, no, not at all. No. Oh, good. Wrong. Uh, no, I mean, I, I do think that's an interesting point, though, because she made it so explicitly clear. Like, Michael is, the, is this kid's father. Right. You're just the sperm donor, which I think is really important. Mm. And then he like starts catching feels and is like, yeah, so remember that conversation we had? I'm ignoring it now. And so that felt really gross. But I could get into a long conversation about how we treat people who are pregnant. But I think that was kind of the moment that I was like, oh, this baby is a plot device. Like this baby is not important. The only thing is important is that Kevin Costner had something to do with the creation of this baby because she was holding her own. And then he forces her out of the town. He forces her to like nurse him back to health when she's like, we really should not lollygag around here. And then insists every time, no, that's my baby. So you have to do X, Y and Z. Mm. And it's just it was it was very frustrating yeah. to see. Yeah, I don't know whether she he forces her to nurse him back to health. I think it was just situational. They were they had to shack up somewhere. It was winter. No, I agree, but yeah. he, he passive he aggressively did force her because he would die if he didn't just allow her to save his life. Mm. Right. And he they also stayed there. Much yeah. longer than she had wanted to. Oh, yeah. 45 yeah. minutes long part of the movie just <laughs> sitting in there. That was such a long part of the movie, guys. Oh, it just kept going. <laughs> Get out of the house. She literally oh. had to burn the house down to make him leave. Yeah, yeah. literally. Like, he's so stubborn. She burns the house down. Right. I didn't even think about it. That is so funny. <laughs> This movie is very, very epic, like huge production value. Um, Beautiful photography. Oh, my God, yeah. Did it feel very Oscar Beatty? Yeah, I. whoever designed the costumes, I would be impressed if someone beat them that year and, and people noticed how good the costumes were in this movie. Mm. Cinematography and costume. It wasn't writing. No. Uh, <laughs> probably not acting. No, mm. I don't think so. But, I mean, the... It, it is a lot of location shooting. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, one of the largest sets, I think, that uh, training camp for the right. Manosphere 
uh, fascists that we we meet up with the militia. That's like a an abandoned mine, and I think the set is several miles wide or something along those mm. lines. So that's pretty impressive. It looked like such old Hollywood, like big open landscapes. Yeah. Definitely like Western sort of landscapes. Mm-hmm. It did sort of occupy like multiple genres really well. Mm. And the production design, I would I would say that should have got an award. Yeah. In service of what, I think, is the question you kind of always come back to. Yeah, yeah I, I thought, because um, a lot of, some of the behind the scenes, they go into some of the sort of compositing and green screen that they did, and it's really well done. Like, you don't notice yeah. it at all. They, they would put mountains in the background where there weren't mountains, or they would change the sky. Yeah. Just not obvious. It's It kind of does give it that sort of isolated, post-apocalyptic look. Yeah, no, I mean, I think production-wise, it was genuinely incredible. There's only one scene that I'm like, ooh, we're in computer animation territory, and that's when he's on the, like, gondola zip line. Ah, uh, yeah. But, like, how else were you going to do that? But... You know, they do these beautiful aerial shots of all of the horses and everything. Mm. And specifically, there's one shot that sticks in my brain of like where he is in the center on his horse, and then all of the postmen go, yeah, yeah, yeah. they go in their own directions. And you see it from above. And this is before drones. Mm. So, like, that was right. either a crane shot or probably a helicopter, helicopter yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. And like, Clearly, these actors had to work with the horses a lot and get very comfortable, Um, which in my notes, I do also say that Kevin Costner does look good on a horse. True. Yeah. Mm. Which is good because he's there most of the film. Not the same horse. He's not great at taking care of his his equine friends. (laughs) No. No. Um, I mean, that zipline scene, yeah, it was a bit green screeny, but I think some of the shots, it was a zipline cage thing suspended from a helicopter oh my god like there was a person yeah. hanging from a helicopter yeah it's kevin kevin right i don't know why we have to go to a damn meet tom petty and then go down oh, a zip pointless. line i mean it, it feels like a water world callback because mm-hmm. he has to be on a zip line at some point but really expensive yeah if you just lifted that whole section out what would you lose nothing just Tom Petty. I, Tom but they, yeah, just again, Tom Petty. One yeah. of the third best thing in the movie is Tom Petty as Tom Petty, not giving one <laughs> iota of a crap. Yeah. About yeah. anything. Yeah. And it's like perfect. It makes it, why is Tom Petty playing himself? Why was this a reasonable decision? Yeah, you have to be you have to wonder, like, they just met up in a bar somewhere yeah. and after enough drinks, he's like, Yeah, I'll find you a spot. It's yeah. Fine. This is- we'll just throw Tom Petty in. Yeah, Julia Roberts in Ocean's 12 playing both Julia Roberts and a character who looks like Julia. Yeah, Uh, stop. Too much, too much. I hate it. I hate it so much. Mm -hmm. Another casting decision that's quite interesting is there are three, count them, three Costner children in this movie. Three of the seven. Wow, okay. He has seven children total, yeah. I had to look this up. Um, but this is during his first marriage, so right. I think those three were his only three at that point. Okay, so he has the good sperm. <laughs> that is what we've learned, Con- if nothing else, Conrad. <laughs> yeah, we, no, like you are dealing with some serious internalized uh, issues, my guy. If you need to put it out there this much, like. <laughs> you know, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. As I hadn't like, either until y'all were talking, big... and I was like. 
Python. A big banner of the like, did you know I have the good sperm? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a three, sperm machine over it's here, a three yeah. hour baby. advertisement for Kevin yeah. Costner's sperm. Um, Gross. That, like, literally true and absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Oh. But he casts his kids in some questionable roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go down them, please. One of them is quite wistful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the little boy who has this wonderful slow motion scene where he's disappointed because Santa has passed yeah. him by. Sorry, the postman oh, has passed him by. That's his kid, right? Yeah. So he stands outside holding a letter. That's why that scene is so long for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Slow motion with stirring music from James Newton Howard. And why we get <laughs> yeah. to see it a second time at the end of the film. Yeah. Yes. That makes that scene so. It was already my least favorite scene in the movie because, like. <laughs> It's treated with the reverence of, like, a resurrection. You grabbed a letter uh, that you missed. Yeah, he didn't grab a letter, and then he did grab a letter. Yeah, would you make a statue of him grabbing the letter? I'm like, you should have made a statue out of the kid being like, hang on, wait. Yeah. Because that's that's what we know happened. What a great film. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then I think his daughters play various townspeople, one of whom hits on him at one point. <laughs> mm. Yep. Gross. Yeah. So uh, Amazon is very convenient in that, like, if you pause it, it'll tell you what actors are in the scene, which oh. is why I was able to pick out his kids. Um, they did such a bad job of naming characters in this movie. Uh, the daughter... Uh, one of them is just called Ponytail. Yeah, she doesn't get named in the movie. PT! No. And yes, you do see a scene where clearly she is like, ugh, sorry, it. there's a pain in my chest as I'm recalling this scene. Um, she looks so disappointed. She looks so disappointed. Yeah. 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 Wow. So what happens is they, they have this big dance for whatever reason. And... Um, She's fairly enamored with the postman and goes to ask him to dance. And thank goodness he doesn't reply. He just ignores her and walks away (laughs) because I couldn't. I would. That's when you would have lost me as an audience member, when you have Mm. to either reject and or accept your daughter's (laughs) invitation. (laughs) I I think Kevin Costner (laughs) needs like an optics guy. Mm. Like, hey, this scene, bad. Don't. Yeah. Actually, it looks like you wanted to reject your own daughter. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's weird. It's weird. You could have just gone to then forward asking her to dance. Yes. Right. Like, you could have just taken that out. Yeah. And then just have her be interested in the age appropriate (laughs) non-relative person in this movie. Yes. Yeah, there are a few of them out there. Yeah, weirdly <laughs> enough. It only gets worse. I do think that they were going for more like, oh, he's like a father figure kind of thing. Or were they actually going for like, I I have the hots for this older guy. Gonna, gonna <laughs> return to my previous, should have hired an optics guy. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I think I worked out her age in this movie. She's only like 13 or something. She's, I think she's, yeah, she's definitely a teenager. I would love the interpretation to be the like, oh, he's so cool. Like, I would love to get to know him better. Having been a teenage girl, uh, one, it's very hard to have those feelings and not mistake them for romantic feelings, at least for me personally. Mm. And two, 
If I wanted to get to know somebody better, I absolutely am not asking them to dance. Not in a platonic way. Mm. But again, maybe this is just me projecting onto Kevin Costner's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for Random Trivia. Dan, what fabulous piece of trivia did you find in the postman's bag today? Oh, yes. So this uh, this movie is based on a, a book by David Brin. But did you know that David Brin also wrote the story to the 2000 Dreamcast video game Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future, uh, developed by wow. Appaloosa Interactive. Uh, so it was the fifth installment <laughs> of the Echo franchise and also a reboot where you play as a dolphin. There's still trying to reboot it again are they yeah i did wow. i'm a big echo fan i'm sorry i'm such a dork yeah i mean i, I, re- I remember <laughs> playing it and and the plot of this this game is the aggressive alien foe were once engaged in a war with earth but were repelled by the combined forces of humans and dolphins seeking revenge they attack the guardian earth's defense system and succeed in damaging him echo a noble dolphin is called upon to heal the injured guardian and drive off the alien race and yeah i mean david but also the author of the postman so there you go fascinating (laughs) marvelous an allegory to the civil war and dolphins defeating aliens it i mean that's that's range (laughs) yeah i know it is yeah we should have had kevin costner as a dolphin (laughs) i just thought of the wildest thing so this is a movie about like we're gonna bring the post office back we're gonna make this happen Kevin and anyone associated with Kevin spends zero percent of this movie teaching people to read or write. <laughs> and like so many people are like, I can't read. Read it to me. I just thought that was interesting. I just realized that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. <laughs> and that's our trivia. It really is. No pun intended, a love letter to the post office. (laughs) Yes, very literally. So the the author of the source novel, David Brin, said that the whole point of his novel was a a rejection of the sort of cosy apocalypse genre that he saw growing up, where the whole of the world is wiped out apart from a handful of people who have a great time romping around empty shopping malls. Mm. He was sick of that, so he wanted to do something to show how bad that would Mm. be and what the importance of connectedness and community were. And so this this re-emergence of the government and of... The Postal Service connecting people. Question. Okay. Because I've been waiting to throw this hand grenade for the whole podcast. I'm sorry, Mr. Bren, was your point to make a love letter to the post office where they become not only a standing army, but like a militarized organization? (laughs) Kevin, you need an optics guy. (laughs) Yeah, they literally go postal. Yeah. With with a sort of messianic central figure. And that's the thing that I also find weird about the movie, that everybody sees something in Kevin's Forrest Gumpy figure that he doesn't see. Everybody, like the magical blind lady, Mm. can tell that he's special. The villain can tell that he's dangerous. But then the next time he meets him doesn't remember him at all. Yeah. And I don't get the sense that there's been a significant passage of time. So Will Patton's... Just face blind, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But everybody who meets him sees something in him that he doesn't. They see the legend. And then they unveil a statue yeah. at the end yeah, yeah. of Kevin. And it's like, it feels very much like a misguided vanity project at that point. And I yeah. I don't think he consciously intended it that way. Yeah. I, I do feel like it, it was a kind of a, an ongoing trait of his characters, the sort of reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just Kevin mm. Costner's characters throughout all his films. And it's just, I guess, another one in this film. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, he certainly falls into the hero and very intentionally, right? He's just like supposed to be on his own, doing his own thing with his mule. And then he ends up starting this religion and everything. But as, you know, Mikey said, he started it because he wanted food. Like he just lied because he knew that he could. He made up a president. Yeah, he, he made up a president. literal treason. Yeah, yeah he <laughs> lies a lot. I mean, I if I reach down real deep, I can see where he started this in a good-hearted fashion, right? Sure. He found the the um, abandoned post office truck, stole all this stuff from it. I can only imagine light it on fire. And then he's like, well, I, I mean, I guess this isn't so far away. I'll just make a pit stop. And, like, he didn't have to do that, but he also sort of did mm. to eat, so I may have just talked myself out of my own point here of saying that he was sort of trying to be good and instead he just accidentally was good. Yeah. 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 And then was horrified at the religion that he'd created because people were dying. Yeah. Yeah. People shouldn't worship their job. Uh, actually, Correct. you've done the worst thing. Yeah. Kevin? <laughs> I will say, and, and, you know, we all lived through the recent pandemic it was comforting to be able to talk to people. For sure. And obviously we had like Zoom and Skype and whatever else to do that. And so I would find great comfort if I got a letter from my sister after oh, I thought she had sure. been dead for five years. You know, like, yeah. I think ultimately restarting some line of communication would have been a very, very good and hopeful thing. Yeah. I don't think he had to make up a president. I don't think he had to lie about the whole country. Again, just talking about it makes you think other things. So, like, for all of this to be true, you're Kevin Costner, you're making this movie. It's about how great the post office is. I'm going to screw my way across America and deliver some mail. <laughs> like, you literally have to invent an army of people that just hate the mail, I guess. Because... There's not really, like, people to be like, don't deliver the mail, we'll stop you. Like, you have to invent an army that just hates the concept of government and mail. Yeah. I mean, I think the army hated the concept of not them. Right. And the post office did allow people to talk and find out that there were more of the not them out there. Mm. We haven't even talked about the villain of our story who, like really pulled a Jeremy Irons and was chewing every scene he was a part of. Yeah. Interestingly, though, I don't think Will Patton is quite the same as Dennis Hopper or Alan Rickman in terms of threatening 
to no. steal the entire movie from Kevin Costner, which yeah. had happened him, to him twice mm. in the past, and we talked about that. I don't think Will Patton, wonderful actor, mm. though he is, I love him in everything that he's in, practically. Maybe not this, but he's... Yeah, he's. He, I think he does a good turn as this... What is he? He's like a photocopy... Yeah, photocopy yep. salesman. Salesman yeah. who sees an opportunity to turn himself into this autocratic leader of a militia that is quite clearly white nationalist. And it turns out he's big on small government too. In fact, he wants no government whatsoever. He burns the American flag and tries to wipe out the post office. I do find it odd though, watching sort of pre the manosphere, the emergence of the manosphere through um, social media. In 1997, you've got all the hallmarks of this alpha male, men have got to be tough and the weak have got to be left behind. And and then it turns out that he's impotent as well. So it's all bravado and it's all fake, all of this incel nonsense. And mm. you think, wow, this is bizarrely prescient, this movie. Yeah. Ahead of yeah, its time. But, but also it's just a glowing ad for Kevin Costner at all times. Like he should just wear a shirt that says <laughs> good sperm. Yep. Because everyone else has bad sperm for some reason, but your sperm's great. It's because they had the bad mumps when they were kids, Mikey. There are (laughs) names for diseases in films. Like, nothing has ever given me the chills quite like, oh, he's got the bad mumps. (laughs) I don't want to know what that is. What's the good mumps? Don't answer that. (laughs) I, I will say I really enjoyed the villain. I mean, in in the way that he made me hate him so much. Yeah. And usually I have found with actors, like, you can kind of see through the cracks and be like, no, they seem like, you know, they started out okay. No, this guy is full evil, like straight up. Yeah. One of the laws is murder, right? Like, this is what he is standing to. And so every scene... um, that he's in, you know, you just start hating him that little bit more. And I know we're going to talk about favorites later on, but my favorite line actually comes from him when at the big finale, everybody's on their horses, whatever. And Kevin Costner waves the white flag to, you know, start the duel. (laughs) And one of the people is like, is he surrendering? And the villain is like, God, I hope not. (laughs) Um, Which is my favorite line in the film. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's his driving factor is he's like, I really, I want to murder, guys. If you'll just let me murder, then everything (laughs) will be fine. And so, I don't know. I was very impressed at how much I hated him. Yeah, yeah. I think he is truly... Truly hate it. Well, like, I think Kevin really wanted the bad guy to be really evil. Just yeah. hates um, him. But he still can't kill him at the end because, of course, you, you can't kill the bad guy. Um, but there is a the body count in this movie. It's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Like, every character just gets killed. Like, the sheriff gets killed. The, yeah. the Michael, the yeah. husband, gets Groups killed. Groups of characters. Yeah. Bill. Bill gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> How could we forget? Should we talk about the wrestle fight at all? Because it is like, oh, it is a full on, like you're expecting this huge climax in this movie. And then two dudes just kind of go, I got your ear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's, 
And it's slow-mo, cross-fading. It's so like, bad. Dust everywhere. Oh. It's kind of pointless. You're waiting. There's such a build-up for this big battle duel. Yeah. And then it's just... Nothing. What is this? Like some sort of like <laughs> 80s music video? Yeah. Well, and specifically how they started the fight, right? They human joust each other off of the like yeah. horses. Launching. Yeah. They're just yeah. like, this is going to be the greatest hug that has ever happened and committed to film. Not the most choreography on display. I yeah, think yeah, I've yeah. seen in a fight scene. Not John Wick. That was exactly no. my thought as well. Though, hilariously, I did point out when, when we were noticing Bill was probably definitively gonna die Mm. this movie kind of was John Wick they just didn't use it yeah he could have been mad about Bill that whole time Uh, and we would have have accepted that yeah Yeah. Yeah. I I wanted revenge for Bill Mm. justice for Bill I would rather a mule be a plot device than an unborn child that's for sure (laughs) Uh. a better plot device in every way every way Yeah, but don't we feel as though this movie is so brave to have a pacifist ending? No. Isn't this the ending of all action movies? Um, (laughs) Given the way you've set up this villain character, I feel like he'd be like, sure, let's fight. Shoot them all. Yeah. You agreed to the tickle fight? (laughs) You're not hard. You're not hard. I'm sorry. And then (laughs) at the end, he's like, I'm the leader of this clan. And people just like accept that yeah everybody's yeah. on board uh, yeah so easily <laughs> the henchman on the other team is like hey mentos yeah. baby <laughs> yeah um and then i think the funniest thing for me and i didn't even notice it sam did is there like law number one is there's peace and then law number eight is live and let live and I guess we'll right. just fill in the rest later. You know, we got one, we got eight. We'll just like figure out two through seven. La two. Yeses. Yes. But only for Kevin Costner and his good sperm. Oh, yeah. Only. And Kevin's kiss. I'm so sorry course. that Mikey and I have said sperm so much in your podcast. <laughs> I it, This episode is about a film Kevin Costner directed. Mm. You can't mm-hmm. not talk about sperm. Absolutely, yeah. Coming to you live from the movie Oubliette Theater, it's the prestigious Moobly Awards. Hello, it's that special time of the pod, the Moobly Awards, where we nominate our favorite Bethlehem branded parts of the film in a number of postal uniformed categories. <laughs> Best quote. There was, I don't remember the exact line, it was an Abby line. It was when she has to explain everything that she needs to happen and then removes all of her clothing. But it's like, my husband's okay with this. This is fine. I need you for this and this. And like, it's a line that no one ever wants to get. And I think like a hand wear do like impressive. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of heavy lifting in that line. (laughs) Yeah. There is also another, it's like a background line when they change the, Oh, the post office oath. Oh, yeah. To something along the lines of like, you know, it's like rain, sleet, slow, hail, we'll deliver your mail, whatever mm. it is. So that's the original one. And then the the newer one they come up with is definitely about murdering 
the white nationalists. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) so we've changed our mission statement a little bit. Okay. There's a little Hunger Games in there. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 24 hour track delivery plus complete genocide. So that's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, my favorite line came very early, and it was in one of my favorite scenes with my favorite character, Bill. And it's where Kevin says to the mule, what are you worried about? All you got to do is stand there. I'm the one with all the lines. Yeah. Mm. Which I thought, oh, it's so meta. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Best hair or costume? I think there is a clear winner in the costume category. And it has to be Will Patton as Bethlehem in his leather pants. Because uh, honestly, I think any man deserves to be a vicious autocrat. Mm. If he can pull off leather pants. If the word deserves was doing some work in that <laughs> You know, I think I could even go for a Trump second term if he oh, wears leather pants throughout. Uh, you don't live here, though, yeah. so... I just fled my last date. I don't condone this. Uh, but the leather pants were great. Yeah, back to the uh, LPs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found mm. that the sort of difference between the costumes wasn't much. So the good postmen, they yeah. still had a red collary thing. Yeah. But the bad guys also had a red collary thing. Red, white, and blue. Like, you know, it was it was yeah. red versus blue, but both red and blue are gonna be red and blue. Yeah. In the other it was yeah. a bit confusing. <laughs> it was very confusing. I think the only time that I really particularly noticed the costumes was when you see Ford actually like embroidering the post office uh, like sigil Mm. onto his jacket. Mm. And I thought if you look at all of the postmen, um, especially in their camp, like in the post office town, they all have taken the time to either put the American flag somewhere on their Mm. clothing or put the like post office sign and I just thought that was like a really incredible detail yeah, this that six star they didn't American necessarily have to have mm. yeah 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 most, most 90s moment I was going to say the it's a western but not really genre so right. you had back to the future part three in 1990 ravenous city slickers wild wild west oh. and uh, vampires John Carpenter's Vampires, which I think is essentially oh, There were a lot of them. S- sorry, Unforgiven. Mm. Yes. Mm. Wyatt Earp, also uh, Kevin Costner, directed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. 90s for me, I think, Conrad, you mentioned this in Waterworld. Like, zip lines? So... Th- <laughs> yeah, what is uh, it zip lines again in this movie? <laughs> a pointless zip yeah. line. about the... The least repairable, like, infrastructure possible. Like, if that snaps, <laughs> well, that'll be down for four years. So, uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Favorite scene! My favorite scene in this movie is when you're in the training camp and they have nightly screenings oh, yes. of the yes. sound of yeah. music. <laughs> oh my God, thank you. I like I have that in my notes, being like, I love the movie nights. And then I was like, oh no, I haven't, I haven't talked yeah. about them. Oh no. <laughs> yes, 
my favorite is that at one point the projectionist tries to do alternative yeah, programming right. and show Universal Soldier, and there's almost a riot. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, people start throwing things at him, throwing and like rocks. he's at the booth. Yeah. Oh, I loved that. It's yeah. great. Julie Andrews, Great in the Apocalypse, Dolph Lundgren. That's a no. No. All right. Yeah. Heard. So the the fascist militia manosphere group really loves the Julie Andrews <laughs> music. Loves it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I'm also sort of bummed just now realizing this was a movie where people appreciated, adored live music. Tom Petty shows up in your movie <laughs> and no one's like, get a, get him a guitar. Nobody. No. Nobody. <laughs> Everybody else gets to sing. Tom Petty, get out of here. That's true. Yeah. Most cliche moment. I'm going to jump right in and go for an obvious cheap shot, which is Desperate Housewife Wants to Bang the Postman. <laughs> oh, no. I hadn't even. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that speaks to me. Like, I think... Again, the woman being the plot device is I, is certainly a cliche hmm. that I noticed. Kevin Costner inventing uh, his own cliche where women just go, "Hello," <laughs> uh, that like that is amazing. Like that's your cliche. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Conrad, this whole time you've been talking about how like people see something in him that he doesn't. I mm. and me, this started maybe like fifteen minutes ago. I was like. Does he have an aura of good sperm? Like, can people just sense it? Whoa. Like, just like yeah. it's probably a musk. Oh yeah, yeah, right. The, like, pheromone, the pheromones yeah. tell you it's it's good sperm in there, and so we must protect him. Anyways, um, it's got to be tough to go to a restaurant. Every table is just like. <laughs> Has Costner ever done a fragrance? Because he oh, should. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Just call it good sperm. <laughs> I'll ask him. Best special effect. All of the practical stuff with the animals, so cool. Not a special effect, but horses though. <laughs> yeah, and a real lion yeah. as well. Whereas, you know, these right. days, never real. Yeah. You would never get a real lion. I was going to mention that, but putting a real lion in front of a green screen and just getting it to, you know, through a trainer, getting it to do the actions they yeah. need it to do and then compositing mm -hmm. it into the scene. I much prefer that to all the digital animals mm. we get, but then maybe that's better than a bunch of animals being in captivity with trainers yeah. all the time. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the special effect for me was all the sort of subtle compositing and green screen stuff um and there's uh, the scene with the snow that's that's not real mm. snow that's like added which is amazing really yeah wow like uh, yeah i saw the sort of raw footage there's no snow at all um when, it, when oh. they have that sort of snowstorm and he has to save abby yeah. because she's fallen in the river for some reason um yeah, it's not real snow. <laughs> wow. Favorite sound effect. All of the sounds that James Newton Howard made were great. Oh, yes, the, on the score. The score is exceptionally good for, like, the music was rousing when, like, literally nothing is happening. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's true. It's alarmingly close to Apollo 13 in places. Yes. Uh. Unfortunately. Like almost note per note. <laughs> wow. I mean, I I enjoyed it. Like uh, it got you 
in the right mood. You know, it was is totally mm. perfect. Like it, 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 it sounds a little cheesy now. Like it does sound like really rousing '90s score epic. It was effective. It was, yeah. He even broke out the panpipes for the uh, running across the suspension yeah. bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my favourite sound was the weird grunting noises oh, that Kevin in makes. The, in the van. Yeah. In the car. <laughs> yeah. When he, he finds a lighter and a hip flask of booze and then the just the weirdest noises yeah. come out of Kevin Gosnell. I don't know what's happening. I am. <laughs> just really happy to be, I don't know. Next warm. to a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just give us some exertion. Oh, oh, that? That's my skeleton <laughs> <laughs> Most funniest <laughs> moment. The horse sword fight. I've, I've seen, it is so perfect. It is so uh, perfect. Yes. I didn't know that you could train it, them to do that. Remember when Bill is still in the movie and then like the yeah. movie's good? Remember that? Yes. And then yeah. Bill's not in the movie, and then it's not good. For two and a half hours. Yeah, Yeah, for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think for me, one of the funniest parts is when you see the realization dawn on Kevin Costner that she is the one who set the house on fire. Yeah, right. Yeah, Abby is the one who's like, no, we're leaving, guy. Like, I packed her. And he's like, all our stuff. And he's like, no, I already packed it. Who do you think set the fire? And you're just like... All right, all right, I'll see where this goes. Yeah. Like, I thought that was very funny. Yeah. I love that someone else made a decision for Kevin Costner, and for the first time in that movie, he's like, well, I guess I have to do that then. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's right. usually him like, I've made the dumb decision, and we're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this time, somebody else did, and he's like, well, I guess that's what a relationship is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. He doesn't look comfortable with it at no, all. No, he's not. No. He's not at all. Uh, for me, the funniest moment, I'm sorry, maybe I'm just a cynical Brit, but the moment when the little girl begins a spontaneous chorus of America the Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Blocked it from memory because yeah. it was quite bad. Like, why do you know that song? <laughs> yeah, they kind of make a whole point at one point to have the conversation of like, well, this these younger people never knew, you know, America before right. and all of this stuff. The old guy, the old like, what, he was like a rocket scientist or a satellite uh, technician yeah. or something who mm. becomes the postman. When they're having their conversation of the like, well, they didn't, they don't know any better. Like, they want a better world and they've never seen one. And then, yeah, they break out like American classics and you're like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but like, also, there's this huge roving army that will just murder yeah. you if you say the word post office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's, all the kids know America the Beautiful, though. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't sing the post office line. Yeah, yeah. In America the Beautiful. Because you will be killed. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's our Moobly Awards. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, this is Robert Picardo, and you're listening to Movie Oubliette. Okay, it's time for our final verdicts. Should Kevin Costner's The Postman be released from the oubliette to deliver the world's mail by horseback to all its adoring fans and neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night can stop it? Or should it be shot in the back, not by the hero, of course, and then be thrown off a swing bridge into the depths of the oubliette lost forever? (laughs) Final verdicts, everyone, for The Postman. 
Mine's complicated. Because I think I also I have not reached a conclusion. So Mike, you must <laughs> I, I reached talk one instantly this. because of the phrasing of the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you said it should it be shot in the back by someone other than the director. I think Kevin Costner should be the one to shoot this movie in the back. <laughs> yeah. You did this. Mm. <laughs> that is my final verdict. <laughs> okay. So I think it should stay in the oubliette. Mm. Except for like gifts from like certain scenes. Yeah. Like if we could just condense this down to like a Reddit thread of gifts, I think that is how we should enjoy this movie. R slash Bill gives. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just Bill. Um, for me personally, it is too long. Mm. Very long. And it just wasn't fun enough. Like I enjoyed it, but I enjoy watching bad movies because like at film joy we watched them with our friends or i watched this with sam and like we talked most of the way through it or we would pause it and be like where have i seen this guy before like yeah. what, you know and like <laughs> we do all of that which by the way if you're wondering it's probably there was one guy he was like the taller one of the trio of younger post officers and uh, i was like how do i know him and he's from remember the titans a movie that i watched an obscene amount of time in my high school for whatever reason. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to watch it again, guys. And I think that's my criteria. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay, two for two. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I think I might be an outlier here. I mean, I didn't hate the movie. I, I'm sure it, it's not a perfect movie at the same time. And yeah, Kevin Costner, it's not a, I, he's not my favorite actor. I, I don't really like him. But I, I think the premise alone for this movie, maybe the source material is what I like. I did enjoy that. Like, what if in the future, you know, technology is kind of gone and, and, and the population is decimated and, and we're trying to reinstate the postal service? Like, that's, I don't know. I think that's interesting. I thought Will Patton was a great villain as well. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think if you trimmed like an hour of this movie, just like, yes. it would be a pretty solid film. Not a great film, but pretty solid. And maybe, yeah, maybe I would recommend a, a, a two-hour version of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think, on the whole, I can't really recommend this movie. Although Waterworld is just as notorious, when we looked at it, it's just like a big, splashy well, literally, a um, 90s yeah. action movie. Yeah. And when you watch it, there's there's nothing actually wrong. Well, there are a few things wrong with it. But, I mean, there's nothing lot more wrong with it than any other big splashy or 90s action movie. So we let that one go. This one doesn't feel quite as notorious. It does genuinely feel like it's gone into the oubliette, I, having sat through three hours of it mm-hmm. and finding so little to recommend about right. it. I kind of feel like it should just stay there, not because it's dreadful, just because it's just it's just not very good. It's really dull. Although I love the ideas, mm. Dan. I think you're right. I like mm. the idea behind it. I'm not very clear on the execution yeah. and I think it does slip into vanity project. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we're not unanimous, but most of us want to throw this movie mm. back. I guess we better check in on what our patrons think. Hello, Hal. 
Yes? Happy New Year. What have you been doing during the break? I was busy generating images of humans with too many fingers. Oh, okay. Well, we need the final verdict, please. You'll never guess. They want to set it free. Oh, oh, agrees with me. Yeah, they do. I'm not the outlier. <laughs> You're not, no, two-thirds of them, in fact, wanted to set this movie free. Eddie wow. Coulter says... I say let the postman continue to deliver the mail. Even though the movie has many problems, I still find it entertaining. Mm. And Dr. Doggy, one of our longest supporters, said, yes, it's about an hour longer than strictly necessary. Yeah. Doesn't have the weird SF parts of the book, but it deserves to run free, if only because it will probably end up as an historical document if things carry on as they are. <laughs> <laughs> and I like scary cable cars. <laughs> right. But it did have its detractors. So Jasmine said, Egad, overly long, overly sentimental, and overly predictable. I could not wait for the end credits to roll so I could give my copy to my own postman and airmail it express to the nether regions of the Yukon Territory. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, of course, we heard from Cold Crash Pictures. Oh, yes. Hello, Serge. Hello, Serge. And he says, it's fine, a bit too long, but people talk like it's the worst film ever made, and it's just not that. Yeah. Plus, I'll take any film, American made, no less, which valorises the post office over the military any day. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. So, yeah, great voting there. Mm. Lovely comments, too. But unfortunately, I think we're going to yeah. throw it back. Yeah, I think it's, what, three against two. Yes. It is. So I'll just slap a return to sender on there and yeah. hurl it back in. <laughs> Goodbye. So, Zoe and Mikey, thank you so much for joining yeah, us again for another Kevin Costner apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It was a long slog of a movie, but you've made it an absolute delight to break down. Where can people follow you and what can they look forward to seeing from Filmjoy next? Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash Filmjoy. We're currently just making movies of Mikey, though Deep Dive, hopefully and soon, will make a, a return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was intrigued because at the end of the last episode of Deep Dive, you were lining up the movies that people could yeah. vote on, and I can't wait mm-hmm. to see which one wins. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we we definitely want to get back there, but we've now moved. Mikey and Tara have moved. <laughs> yeah, we now live in three separate states. We'll figure it out. We just, it's But know, it is it's definitely something that we want to get back to. Mm. I have to say, I enjoyed this a lot more than I enjoyed the movie. I found the movie yes. a slog, so yeah. thank yeah. you. It yes. really is mm-hmm. a bit has been a great time yes and listeners if you want to follow movie oubliette we are movie oubliette everywhere and uh you can also email us at movie.oubliette at gmail.com we love all your messages and uh, uh your opinions about the films that we cover yeah we're even on tiktok now am i right we are yes so i'm managing that so that's uh that's been fun uh yeah <laughs> tiktok's a, a completely other beast but uh hopefully gaining some more followers maybe i don't know 
I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. And you can support us over on Patreon, where for as little as a dollar, you can nominate and vote on films to appear in future episodes mm. of the show. For $5, you get to vote on their eventual fate and get access to our monthly minisodes. And for $10, you can be an executive producer of the show. Oh, yeah. Like Chazilla, Eddie Coulter, Isaac Sutton, Dr. Doggy, Surge of Cold Crash Pictures, and now Iconographer. Yeah, yes. Thank Ooh. you for the support. Yeah, indeed. We have merchandise on Redbubble if you need uh, anything to decorate your home or body. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> a YouTube channel as well. A bunch of uh, video essays and live panels that we were involved with on there. And if you haven't already, please give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're using, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. It does help us out a lot. It does indeed, yes. So, Dan, I guess we ought to figure out what we'll be doing in our next episode. Yeah, yeah. Next time it's going to be a patron's choice. They've been nominating all kinds of exciting stuff to put on the oubliette roulette. Uh, Everything yeah. from Julia Roberts in Mary Riley to Kyle McLaughlin in The Hidden. Ooh. Shakma, The Wizard of Speed and Time, The Abominable Snowman. <laughs> Ooh. Loads of stuff. It's yep. great. <laughs> it's all sound ideal. Yes, let's do it. Uh, yes, let's do it. Let's wheel that thing out here. Okay. Ugh. Okay, here we go. Ah, spinning. Ooh, it is so fast. Round and round. Shekma. Ah. Mmm. Exciting. I haven't <laughs> seen this movie. I, I did read his comment. Um, so this is... Voted by Nick, uh, and he said something about a killer primate. Yes. So, ooh. Yes, a 1990 American natural horror film directed by Tom Logan and Hugh Park, starring Christopher Atkins, Amanda Wiss, Ari Myers, and Roddy McDowell of Legend of Hill House oh. fame. Uh, Hell House, sorry. Battling a baboon that's been driven insane by an experimental drug. Right. Uh-huh. This was nominated by Nick, our uh, one of our long-time listeners. And I don't think any of his choices have ever cropped up on the wheel before. Yeah. So congratulations, Nick. Yes, congratulations. And uh, sorry for the long wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it just goes to show, have faith, everyone. Yeah. You never know when your luck will come in mm -hmm. on the oubliette roulette. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks again to Zoe and Mikey from Film Joy for joining us on this episode. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Okay. All right. Bye for now. Bye. 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 So as far as you know, you have good semen?